Computer scientists at the National Institute of Standards and Technology are applying the same principles to cybersecurity that engineers use to build bridges and jetliners in new draft guidance being issued this week. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and to discuss the initial public draft of special publication 800-161 entitled Systems Security Engineering, an Integrated Approach to Building Trustworthy Resilient Systems, is Ron Ross a NIST fellow and leader in developing information risk management best practices. Welcome back, Ron. Eric, it's good to be with you again as always. What's the genesis of this guidance? What's happening in the information security community to require this new special publication? We've been working on special publication 860 for a little over two years now, and it's not something that's brand new. We've been trying to come up with a publication that could define the best practices in cybersecurity, which relate to the building these more trustworthy products and systems that our customers use. We've been doing an awful lot in cybersecurity over the past decade. We have all the special publications and the unified framework and the security controls and the risk assessments. We've also talked about building security in and baking it in for a long time. And I think what 800-160 does, from my perspective, it gives people a disciplined and structured process to integrate cybersecurity concepts and principles into the development process. So as we build products and systems and and services, we can ensure that best practices are being attended to every step of the way in the life cycle. That's something that we haven't done before in the NIST guidance, and we wanted to base it on international standards. And so we started with the IEEE and ISO systems and software engineering engineering standard 15288, and we infused into every one of the technical processes across the entire life cycle the best practices with regard to security. This is the way to ensure that when systems engineers are building systems, they will now have appropriate guidance on what activities and tasks to carry out to ensure that the security is considered early and all the way through the life cycle. So what is it about the engineering principles that make them a model for cybersecurity? When you try to talk about baking security in or building it in, we can't just have security people talking to ourselves. In other words, we can define all the guidelines and the controls and the best practices, but if we're not communicating security to the mainstream mission and business processes and organizational processes within the average organization today, then we're not going to be able to communicate those best practices to the people that can make a difference. If I'm an enterprise architect, or I'm a security engineer, or I'm running a system development lifecycle process, or I'm in the acquisition I've got to understand what security is all about and how I can integrate the requirements into the mainstream organizational processes that already exist and have been around for decades. We speak a different language than enterprise architects and acquisition folks. We speak a different language than system engineers. One of the goals of 80160 by integrating the security engineering processes into those systems engineering processes and software engineering, we are now being able to bridge that gap, that communication gap between these two disciplines. By putting them in the same room, by having that communication, having the dialogue, systems and software engineers now will understand more about what good system security engineering is all about. And we will also know as security professionals, what are some of the trade-offs that we have to make as that system is developed? You can't get everything that you want any place, whether it's the functional side or whether it's on the security side. It's all about the stakeholder requirements, their protection needs, what kinds of things you can afford to do, and how do you manage risk long-term? And so understanding all of these different factors as they relate to security as part of that trade-off analysis. That's what 160 is intended to do. Who is the target audience for this guidance? 
In Chapter 1, we have a section on target audience, and the first target audience are the security professionals who are actually carrying out system security engineering work, because this is going to be kind of their go-to document as they try to work with the engineers and to infuse uh, the best practices into the build process. But the secondary audience is very, very broad. It includes everybody from the C-suite all the way down to the acquisition folks, the people on the operational side. When you look at the 11 technical processes in the 160 document, Document. We start with stakeholder requirements to security requirements, definition of protection needs. We, we analyze the requirements. We go through a development and design process. There's a validation and verification set of processes. And eventually, you get into the operations and sustainment part, which is where the operators live and, and actually use the technologies that have been built. In some sense, we're looking at every stakeholder in every part of the system development lifecycle, from the people who have the requirements initially, the mission business owners, to the people who design, develop the systems and the product components that go into those systems, to the people who have to test and evaluate to make sure they've met the specification, to the operators, the sustainers, and the people who actually bring the system to the disposal point when they actually have to decommission and bring the system out of use. So it, it's a very wide swath of customers here who we're trying to address. You're announcing this at University of Minnesota, correct? Yes, the um, University of Minnesota, the College of Science and Engineering. And within the college, there's a, a group called the Technology Leadership Institute. This is the home where the computer scientists live, the computer engineers. You have the folks here who can go into Chapter 2 and, and the processes and look at that stuff and, and actually understand what they're reading and then apply it not only as they learn through the educational system here at the university, and it's not just the University of Minnesota, it's, it's all across the country. The point is that we need some specialized skills to actually affect how trusted software is built. It's our universities who are producing the skills and the, the individuals who are going to have those skills, and then industry will employ those individuals as they go out and they actually innovate and produce all the great technology that our industry produces. So what kind of specialized skills may be needed for organizations that may not be there now? Certainly having a job description of a system security engineer. We define that in the publication, and we define the types of skills that are needed. And the system security engineer typically is going to be someone who understands how to build either hardware or software they have a background in computer science, computer engineering. It's the people who can get under the hood and understand some of the subtleties of how software and hardware and firmware are built. You know, we have lots of vulnerabilities that crop up. The, the most recent one was the heart bleed vulnerability. These vulnerabilities can, sometimes are very subtle. When you're designing a protocol or you're designing an application, you want the software to do what it's supposed to do, but you also are concerned with unintended side effects. In the case of things like the heart bleed, where the vulnerability, there was an unintended side effect. There were, there were some bad things that happened when certain conditions occurred, and, and it ended up being a fairly significant vulnerability. So even things like the choice of what computer programming language you select to uh, develop your protocol or applications. Some languages have what we call strong typing. They're inherently better languages to, to produce more trusted software. And the development process that you go through, everything from design, uh, the modular design of, of software, and some of the software engineering techniques that have been around for quite some time. Those are the kinds of things that um, you would get uh, in some of the engineering and, and computer science curriculums around the country that are producing the skills that we need to have to be good security engineers. So what happens next with the draft and when will a final version be published? Well, we, we're doing this in four phases, and the reason we're doing it in four phases is that we didn't want to overwhelm our customers with too much information at one time. So we started with the IEEE ISO 
15288 standard, and we focused initially on the first 11 processes, which are the technical processes of lifecycle. The phase two of the document will be filling out all of the appendices in the back of the document, which, which are there. Um, there's a few there that are, that are actually in the current release in phase one, but there are several appendices that are going to be rolled out during the summer in phase two. That would be things like um, tying it to the acquisition process. Um, we're going to show how all of our publications in the NIST-FISMA suite of pubs, the risk management framework, the security controls, how do all those documents, how are they complementary to the systems engineering process? Uh, then you're going to see there's an actual DOD acquisition process appendix that's going to be put in there. So all of that phase two will fill out all the rest of the appendices. And then toward the end of the summer into the fall, you're going to see the last of the 14 non-technical processes rolled out. These are things like risk management, there's a quality assurance process, configuration management. All of the non-technical processes defined in the ISO IEEE standard will be completed in phase three. And so then you'll have 25 of the processes that the engineers use that will all have security infused into every one of those processes. And then phase four is a recognition that as we're building to the current 2008 version of the IEEE and ISO standard, there's also a 2013 version that's being developed by IEEE and ISO. It's out now in a draft international standard, and internationally, they're balloting on that standard now. So when that 15288 standard gets finalized toward the end of 2014, whatever changes they've made to the systems engineering standard, we are going to go back and retrofit into the NIST 800-160. So if they change any of the processes, we're going to make sure that our 160 document aligns exactly with that international standard. That's really important to make sure we stand on well-established systems and software engineering standards that are being adopted around the world, because our industry works in the global marketplace, and we want to make sure that we're not reinventing the wheel and we're actually adding value to things that have been already established. Well, Ron, you sound very excited about this. It's a very exciting time. Uh, this has been something we've worked really hard on for the last two years or so, and we're very proud of the work. And as always, we look to our customers now to give us feedback. We can't build these publications in a vacuum. This is why we're out uh, in Minnesota today. We want to make sure our customers take a look and give us feedback. And as we go through the different phases, by the end of 2014, we hope to finalize the 800 and then we'll move on to our next challenge. Feedback uh, is welcome, I see, until July 11th. And we'll have a link on uh, our site uh, so people can provide that if they choose. Absolutely. And we, we, again, we appreciate everybody's time as they provide their comments. Well, thanks, Ron. Thanks, Eric. Very much. Talk to you soon. I've been speaking with Ron Ross of NIST for Information Security Media Group. I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.